chapter in the 12th verse, it says, It came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, who he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, whom also became a traitor." Many lessons we can learn from Jesus' disciples. Of course, we just read a list of them. Many lessons we can learn from them. Uh, Of course, 12. Now, today, we're going to talk about lessons we can learn from Peter. Next week, lessons from John. And then finally, we're going to look at lessons we can learn from Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. Many lessons you can learn from him, and we'll look at that three weeks down the road. So a three-part series on Jesus' apostles, lessons we can learn from them. Today, Peter, next week, John, and finally, Judas. The other nine, certainly we can learn lessons from them, but not as much is given on them as perhaps we would, would, would like. So we'll center in on Peter, John, and then Judas, not demeaning the other nine. Of course, there, there, uh, there are things we can learn from them, but the Spirit of the Lord is leading me to talk about Peter this week, next week, John, and then finally Judas. So today, lessons from Peter. The first lesson we learn from Peter comes through his brother Andrew. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. The lesson we learn here is When someone calls you to Jesus, you need to respond. Also, never have the attitude, I only brought one to Christ. You never know what that one may accomplish for God. Think about it. Think about it. Andrew brought Peter. Just one. What difference can one make? Well, one can make a big difference. Just think who Peter turned out to be, the greatest of the apostles. So don't ever be ashamed to just winning one person to Christ. You never know who that one person may be. I think of D.L. Moody, a great minister of the gospel, won multitudes of people to Christ. He came to a Sunday school one morning and, and attended, may have came back a time or two and then quit coming and, and uh, his Sunday school teacher didn't see him for several weeks, but he just knew how important people are and the Sunday school teacher went over and visited D.L. Moody as just, he was just a child and, and encouraged him to come back and get involved and, and be a part of the work of God and of course D.L. Moody came back, that young boy, and he grew up to be a great minister of the gospel. So don't ever minimize the fact that you may have only won one person to Christ. You never know who that one may be. I think of uh, Mordecai Ham. Has anybody ever heard of Mordecai Ham? Some of you have. Most of you probably haven't. But he was the one who was instrumental in, in bringing Billy Graham to the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Billy Graham 
came and got saved. So you see, Andrew, the lesson we learn from him, and we're talking about Peter, but just thought we'd start it off here talking about a lesson that comes through his brother, is that when someone calls you to Jesus, you need to respond. You need to come, and don't ever minimize only having brought one to Christ, because that one that Andrew brought was Peter, and he turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, as we go on with lessons from Peter, in one of his first encounters with Jesus, the Bible says when he had stopped speaking, uh, Jesus said to Peter, he said, launch out into the deep. Remember when Peter, you know, asked to use, I'm sorry, Jesus asked to use Peter's boat. How many remembers that? And, and, and Jesus had Peter just push out a little way from, the, from the, the, the shore there. And Jesus was upon, you know, Peter's boat. And he began to declare the gospel and preach to that great multitude. And when, that was, when Jesus got done speaking, he said to Peter, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your, your nets for a catch. How many of you remember that? And of course, Peter answered and said to the Lord, said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they let, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Now, what lesson can we learn from Peter in this account? Well, the lesson is this. Obey Jesus and submit yourself to his word even when it doesn't make any sense. I said even when it doesn't make any sense. They toiled all night. And that's when you're going to catch your fish. And they toiled all night and they caught nothing. Absolutely nothing. And now they've cleaned the nets, they've put them away. Jesus gets done preaching and now Jesus says go out and let down the nets. Made no sense. Why would you do that? Well, you would do it simply because Jesus said to do it. Obey Jesus and submit yourself to his word even when it doesn't make any sense to your natural thinking. Now, you know, Peter could have said to the Lord, he could have said this, he could have said, well, I just don't feel led to do that. Lord, I heard what you said, but I don't have any peace with that. Lord, I heard what you said, but it's just not my thing. We don't fish in the day. We only fish at night. Peter could have said any of those things. He could have come up with a million and one excuses not to obey the word of the Lord. Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. But then he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Again, the lesson, obey Jesus and submit to him and to his word, even when it doesn't make any sense to your natural thinking. I know I've watched many pastors over the years, and including myself in this, where how many of you know direction for a local church 
God gives it to the pastor to give to the church. And I've watched many pastors, and this has happened even to myself, where the Lord has given direction for a church to take a certain course. I'm not talking about going to Guyana and drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, those of you who don't realize that, how many of you remember Jim Jones back in the... Now, how many of you know you ought to follow something like that? But I'm talking good, solid men of God who have a track record of of stability, of serving God, and and, and a good heart towards God, and a good heart towards their people. And and then God will give that man or that woman a direction right from the throne of God for a church to take a certain... I'm not talking about you and your personal life, where you live or what you do. I'm talking about the church. He's given the the pastor a direction for, 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 for a church to take a certain direction. We need to go this certain way. And it's thoroughly in line with the word of God. How many of you know God will never give direction that violates his written word? And it's right in line with the written word. And and the Holy Ghost tells the pastor, we need to go this way. And again, uh, you'll have people say, well, I just don't have peace with that. That's not my thing. Don't feel led. Well, What is the lesson that we learn from Peter in this instance? Obey Jesus and submit submit yourself to his word even when it doesn't make any sense to your natural thinking, even if you don't personally feel led or it's not my thing or have no peace. How many of you know if it's really coming from God, you need to go with it? I said, if it's really coming from God, you need to go with it. One reason people don't uh, ever catch anything, if you will, one one reason that God's people don't have any more success in their life than what they do is they don't listen to the word of the Lord and they don't step out in faith. How many of you know it took faith for Peter to say, nevertheless, at your word, I'll go out and let down the net. How many of you know it took faith? You got to step out. Is that right? And so many people just won't do that. But of course, Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we're doing this. You know, but we toiled all night. But nevertheless, at your word, we're going to step out there. And he stepped out and he let down the net. And the Bible says, if you read on there, uh, the Bible says that they caught so many fish, it began to sink the boat. And they had to call their partners to come and help them get all the fish. Can you say Amen. Now, another lesson we can learn from Peter. The Bible says, Peter answered the Lord and said. Now, this one here, you know, the disciples were out on the boat and Jesus came walking to them on the water. How many of you know only Jesus can walk on the water? And he's walking along on the water. And... Peter answered and said to the Lord, If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said to him, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is the only one that can walk on water, but you can walk on it, and so can I, and so can Peter, if Jesus says we can. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, 
he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and saved him. What is the lesson that we learn from this? From Peter. In many lessons you can learn. But when Jesus says, come, come. Don't take your eyes off of him no matter what. Stand on the word of God. Don't get over into doubt and unbelief and fear. Can you say amen? Amen. And also too, if you begin to sink, Jesus will catch you. Now another lesson we can learn at another time, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, of course, we learn a great lesson of forgiveness here. Not only seven times, of course, forgiving somebody seven times in a day, that's a lot, but 490 times is more. Somebody asked me one time, why 490? Well, if you go back into the Old Testament and you study it out, the Bible says when when God is talking to Daniel and he talks about those uh, 70 weeks of years, it's 490 years, and and he says what, what this means is as long as time is determined upon man, we need to forgive. What is the lesson we learn from Peter on this one? As long as time is determined upon you and me, we must forgive. The Bible says, Jesus said, if we will not forgive others, their trespasses, God will not forgive us. So let's learn this lesson from Peter that we must be forgivers under all circumstances, no matter what people do to us, we must forgive them as long as time is determined upon man. Now another lesson we learn from Peter is this, just listen to this. Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from many elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. But Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, that this would happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What lesson do we learn from Peter here? Well, it's this. Don't unwittingly yield to the devil. Did you know many Christians unwittingly yield to the devil? Did you know every time that you listen to gossip, you're unwittingly yielding to the devil? Did you know that? And you see... In this case here, it was the will of the Heavenly Father for Jesus to go to the cross and die for you and me and bear our sins, our sickness, our disease, our poverty, our lack. He was to go there and bear it all for us. But you see, Peter couldn't see that. All he could see was the natural, the natural circumstance, the temporal. His disciples were just interested in making Jesus king and that they could be his under rulers, you know. 
But you see, that was the temporal plan. God had a bigger plan than that, and he wanted to send Jesus to the cross to bear our sins for us so we wouldn't have to spend an eternity in a devil's hell. But you see, Peter not understanding that, and in a good, how many of you know, you can, with a, in a good and a right heart, you can unwittingly yield to the devil. And you see, Peter's heart here was good. He loved Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to go and to be killed and to, and to suffer and all of that. His heart was, was right, but he wasn't in tune to the things of the Spirit of God. You know, our hearts can be right, but, but, but if we're not watchful, even though our hearts are right, we're, we, can, we can be out of tune with just what it is the Spirit of God is wanting to do. And that was the case here, and Peter was not in tune with that as he should have been, and so he rebuked Jesus. So what are the lessons here? Don't unwittingly yield to the devil, and certainly don't rebuke Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Don't don't rebuke Jesus. Don't try to hinder his plan. But yet many people... And I've done it myself. Has anybody ever argued with the Lord besides me? You know what I mean by that. Now, I don't mean, you know, a knock-down, drag-out argument, but the Lord directs you to do something, like let down the nets. And you, well, we saw it just a moment ago, and Peter got into a little bit of a discussion with the Lord, didn't he? Didn't he, didn't he, didn't he, didn't he? Are you going to sit out there and look at me, or are you going to say amen and talk to me once in a while? If you want to get all out of this service that the Holy Ghost wants, you're going to have to cooperate with me just a little bit. Can you say amen? Amen. There you go. Thank you. But you know, you can get in a little give and take with the Lord. Lord, no, 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 I don't believe I'm going to do that. Don't don't believe we ought to do that. Don't, Don't think we're going to do that. Don't want to do that. So on and so forth. You've done that, haven't you? Well, I've sure done it. The Lord wins every time because, you know, He never changes and He's right, you see. But don't rebuke Jesus. Don't even with a good and a right heart unwittingly yield to the devil and try to hinder the plan of God. Be attuned to the things of the Spirit. You can be attuned to the things of the Spirit. We all ought to be attuned to the things of the Spirit. Not just the pastor, not just the preacher, but all of us ought to be in tune, you see. But Peter wasn't. And we go along after this time here on down the road to the time of the Garden of Gethsemane. And they came to take Jesus. How many of you know that was right in the perfect will of God, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Absolutely it was. But looking at it from the natural like Peter was, when they came to take Jesus, the Bible said that Peter having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And Jesus said, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? You see, Peter still didn't understand just what it is the heavenly father was up to and was trying to do. And he was hindering the plan of God. Let's be attuned to the things of the Spirit so that we don't hinder the things of God and the plan of God for our own lives or for the life of of our church, you know? Can you say amen to that? Peter never really understood, even up to the time that Jesus went to the cross, what the plan of God was. He was with a good and a right heart, unwittingly withstanding that plan. 
He was looking at things, as I said, completely from the natural, temporal perspective instead of from God's perspective. Now, thank God, later on, you know, Peter, after he was baptized with the Holy Ghost, things changed, and then he understood the plan of God fully and so forth and so on, and God used him to write two New Testament books. But I'm talking at this time here, he didn't. So the lesson we must learn is be attuned to the Spirit of God. Know Jesus and be in tune with God's plan. What's another lesson we can learn from Peter? Many lessons, but another lesson is there at the garden when Jesus was praying, he came back and he found some folk sleeping. One of them was Peter. The other was James and John. And Jesus said, when he came back to them and he found them asleep, he said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? What's the lesson we learn here through the apostle Peter's life? When Jesus is counting on us, we should be alert, on call, always ready to serve him. I'm going to say that again. When Jesus is counting on us, we should be alert, on call, and always ready to serve him. So important, I want to say it again because I want you to get it. Because you see, Jesus was counting on, uh, on Peter and of course James and John. They were his inner three, his inner circle of, of the twelve. They were the closest to him. He was counting on them. He, he, he was counting on them to be in, the, in, in that time of prayer. How many of you know Jesus was in agony right there and, and he was in prayer. The Bible says he was sweating as it were, great drops of blood because of the stress and the agony. He knew he was headed to that cross to bear our sins and so on and so forth and to be cut off from God for three days and three nights. He needed some folk praying for him, you know. And in that time that he was looking to them to pray and counting on them to pray, he comes back and he finds them asleep and not only on one occasion but on three occasions, he finds them sleeping. The lesson again, when Jesus is counting on us, we need to be alert, on call and always ready to serve him. Now, there's a lot of lessons from Peter, isn't there? And I'm not only, I'm not, I'm not done yet. We've, we've got some more to go. Um, how many of you remember that there at the Last Supper, I, I suppose just prior before they partook of the, of, the, of, of the juice and the bread, the Bible says that Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? See, Peter was a good man. He had a good and a right heart. I just said the same thing. I think you would have too. If Jesus was going to come up to me and wash my feet, I'd say, Lord, wait a minute. I need to be washing your feet. It's just like when he came to John the Baptist and John, uh, you know, to, to be water baptized. And John said, you know, no, 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 wait, wait just a minute here. You know, I'm going to baptize you. He said, no, no. I, I, John said, I need you to baptize me. How many remembers that? So these are good men, good in the right heart. And Peter said, you're going to wash my feet? No, I, I, we need to turn this around. I ought to be washing your feet. And Jesus answered and said to him, What? I am going to do, you do not understand now, but you'll know after this. 
Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Now, he didn't mean that in a bad way, a a cruel way, a disrespectful way. Actually, he thought he was showing respect to the Lord. Just like we said. Don't you see what I'm getting at here? I mean, if Jesus came in right here right now and and, and was going to wash my feet, I would say, Lord, no, 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 let me wash your feet. It's a good and a right heart. Nothing wrong with that. He said, you'll never wash my feet. And then Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Wow. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, don't just wash my feet only, but wash my hands and my head. What is the lesson we learn here? Let Jesus do to you whatever he wants to. Let him clean you completely. Let him completely clean every area of your life that needs to be clean. Not just your feet, your hands, your head, your whole body. Let him cleanse you with his precious blood in every area of your life. Let him have his way. Let him do what he wants to do. He said, what I'm doing you don't understand now. You may not understand all of what it is that God is doing in your life or doing for you, but whatever it is, let him do it and let him do it completely. Some folks just want the Lord to affect one part of their life or this part, but Lord, don't touch that part. Don't do this over here. I'll let you do this, but don't do that. No, God wants to touch your being from your head to your feet. He wants it to be involved in every part of your life. So let him be involved in every part of your life. Don't tell God he's off limits in any area. Let him not just wash your feet, but your hands, your head, and the whole thing. Let him clean you completely and totally. And then, of course, another lesson from Peter. Peter said to the Lord, Though all men shall be offended because of you, I will never be offended. Jesus said to him, Verily I say to you, Peter, this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, though I should die with thee, I will never deny you. What's the lesson we learn there? Never say never. Because as it goes along, Jesus is taken. Of course, Peter had cut off the right ear of the servant of the high priest and all of that. And now they've taken Jesus. And Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also, you also were with Jesus. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had gone to the gateway another girl saw him and said to those who were there this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth but again he denied with an oath and he said I do not know the man 
Remember, never say never. You tell God, I'll never do that. Guess what you're going to be doing? I'll never go there, Lord. Well, pack your bags. I don't know the man, he said. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you're also one of those disciples of Jesus. And the Bible says that he began to curse and swear and said, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter went out, the Bible says, and wept bitterly, which means he repented. What's the lesson here? Don't deny Jesus. Of course, never say never, but don't deny Jesus. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. Don't deny him. And another lesson we learn that if we do sin, if we do deny him, repent. It's interesting here. Of course, we'll see this when we talk about Judas. One difference between Peter and Judas was that Peter repented. Judas did not. Peter went out and wept bitterly and repented. The Bible says in the King James that Judas repented, but if you get into the Greek of that, that word repent, it's not the same. He regretted. He just had a dread of that he had been caught. But what do we learn from Peter? That no matter how bad we mess up, there's, I, I dare say that there's some people in here, you've messed up in your life somewhere along the line, even after you've gotten saved. I know I have. But I dare say that probably none of us have ever messed up to this point where he denied the Lord not only once, twice, but three times in baseball, three times a year out. Is that right? And he denied him three times. And another gospel account of this says in one, one of these times, Jesus was right there. He looked over and saw the Lord. Right, He just said, I'll never deny you. And now he is denying him. And he messed up royally. Totally and completely denied the Lord three times. But yet, he repented And it's interesting, and a lot of people miss this, but I want to point it out. After Jesus was raised from the dead, and the angel appeared to the women who came to the tomb. Remember that? And the angel said to the women, go tell Jesus' disciples that he's risen from the dead. But then the angel also said this. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Real loud, say, and Peter. Peter. Say it again like you mean it. And And Say it one more time. One more time. And Peter. Peter. Why did the angel say that? Because Peter needed to hear it. Peter was feeling low, no doubt. He was feeling terrible. He had just denied the Lord three times. 
And then, and think about it, the last thing that Jesus, that Peter, from Peter's perspective, the last thing that the Lord heard Peter say was, I don't know the man. Cussing, I don't know him. And he looks over and there's Jesus. He was, he, he, remember that? He was, he, he was in captivity, but he was, just, he was right there. Think about it. The last thing you say to a loved one is something ill or bad, and then they die. You've got to live with that the rest of your life. And that's the boat Peter was in. Yes, he repented and he wept. But has God forgiven me? Has he forgiven me? Well, we know that he forgave him because the angel said, go tell the disciples and... Peter, what do we learn? God is a great forgiver. We also learn something else from this because earlier on when Jesus predicted and prophesied the denial that Peter would make, he said to Peter, he said, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And of course, Peter returned to Jesus. After he denied him, he went out and wept bitterly. And now it was time for him to strengthen his brethren. And you know, he did that. Lesson learned. What should all of us be doing? Strengthening our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not tearing them down. Not talking bad about them behind their back but strengthening them. And then, just a few more of these. After Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter and some of the disciples, including John, is there with Jesus, you know, on the seashore. And Peter saw... Jesus and John right there together. And Peter, seeing John close to Jesus, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What are you going to do with this man? What about him? Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What lesson do we learn here? One of the greatest lessons I'm going to share with you today, I hope you get this. We must not get jealous and distracted by what God is doing with others. You know the disciples argued again and again about who would be the greatest. And here it is again. What about this man, Lord? What about this man? What about John? What are you going to do with John? And Jesus said to him, what is that to you? You follow me. We must not get jealous and distracted by what God is doing with others. We must keep our eyes on Jesus and follow him. And listen to this. Just prior to this incident, my goodness, listen carefully. Peter 
And the disciples had just been a part, well, what, 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 what were they before they became ministers of the gospel? They were fishermen, right? Peter and Andrew, I mean, they were fishermen. Peter's a fisherman. And now he runs into Jesus. And from the let down the nets all the way for three and a half years, Peter was part of the most powerful ministry that this earth has ever seen. Healings, miracles, power of God, demons cast out, dead raised, blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, people who couldn't talk, now they're able to talk, the dead raised, I mean, on and on and on. I mean, we just get a little snapshot here in the Bible of what Jesus' ministry was like. But, but John wrote and he said that of all the things that Jesus did were written down one by one, the world itself couldn't contain the book. And Peter was a part of that great ministry. Busy, busy, busy every day. And now Jesus has been crucified, raised from the dead, of course. But now Peter thinks it's all over. Thinks it's finished, it's done. I was so busy for the last three and a half years. And now it's over. I wonder if there's anybody sitting in here today that you've ever thought, my life is over. There's nothing left. I mean, it's been a good run, but it looks like it's over. Especially as you get up in years. Now, I'm only 55, but that thought has kind of flashed through my mind. I wonder if anybody else has ever had it flash through theirs. Is, is it over? It, Seems like it's, I'm too young to be thinking that, but you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Am I useful to God anymore, is it? Am I useful to the society anymore? It's, it's over, it's, it was good, but it's over, it's winding down. It's, what am I going to do? And Peter, realizing that, made a statement to his fellow disciples and he said, at that point, he said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. So they must have been thinking the same thing he was thinking. And they went out. Now watch this. This is so powerful. And they went out and immediately they got in the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. Listen to this. Once we have decided to follow Jesus, we must not turn back to our old life. We won't catch anything even if we do. We won't produce anything even if we do. Once we've decided to follow Jesus, don't turn back. We won't catch anything even if we do. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And then I've got something else here, another lesson, a powerful lesson. Listen to this. Peter thinking it's all over. I'm going fishing. Listen to this. Learn this lesson from Peter. When it looks like it's all over, when it looks like it's done, it's finished, it's all over, it's been good, it was good, but it's all over, I've served God. Looks like it's waning. Looks like it's winding down. 
I've got, the only thing I've got left is the fishing poles and the boat. And when it looks like it's all over, God still has some wonderful things ahead for you. And you think about Peter. He says, in his mind, I'm sure it's all over. How do I know that? I'm going fishing. But you know what? After he said that, of course, Jesus appears to them and so on and so forth. And just when Peter thought it was all over, guess what? Now God has an assignment for him. It was called the day of Pentecost, you know. And he got up and he declared to thousands of people and he preached the gospel unto them. Praise God forevermore. And the power of God fell on that day and people got born again and they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues. And he said, said this is these are not drunken as ye suppose but this is that which was declared by the, the prophet Joel and he went on and he preached can you say amen a great revival and then God used him in healing miracles and all kinds of wonderful things he raised the dead praise God forevermore he came that guy came to him at the gate of beautiful and he said silver and gold he was looking for something from Peter and Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Rise up and walk. And the guy, whoo, glory to God. Can you say amen? No, God wasn't finished with him. He was just getting ready to use him, praise God. Whoo, glory to God. What a lesson to learn. Just when you think God's through with you, no, 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 no. He's just been training you and seasoning you and getting you ready to really use you to help a lot of people, glory to God. Oh, my God. Glory to God. And by the way, I just quoted it. It's my next lesson. When he said, silver and gold I have, but what I do have I give you. What's the lesson? You may not always have your American Express with you. But you've always got Jesus. Glory to God. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Praise God. Help me preach just a little bit. Later on, Peter was praying on the rooftop. Had a vision. Animals. A voice said, rise, kill and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. The Lord said to him, what God has cleansed, you'll not call common. What lesson do we learn here? See, Peter thought that the Jews were the only ones God wanted to save. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles, called them sinners, called them dogs. God was teaching Peter that salvation is available to all. And what God has cleansed with the precious blood of Jesus must never be called common or unclean. Any person that God touches with his power, no matter what kind of a lifestyle they've come out of, that blood of Jesus has cleansed them so thoroughly that they are a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and now all things are of God. 
But yet I've watched Christians and I've tended to do this myself at times over the years. You know, somebody comes out of a sinful lifestyle and they come over in the church. They got tattoos all over them. They got earrings. They got this. They got that. They got the other, you know. Or they don't look just like we look or they don't, you know what I'm talking about? They may not act just like we act. Yet they get saved. They come out of that sinful lifestyle. They come over among the Christians. A lot of times I've watched Christians. I mean, I, I mean, there was a boy came in here one day, many years ago, came out of a sinful lifestyle. He had a mohawk, spike mohawk haircut, and he had every one of the spikes was a different color. I thought he had a, I thought he ran into a snow cone truck on the way over to church. <laughs> And in my natural, I, I mean, you're just as natural as I am in my thinking. I'm thinking, you know, this, you know, when I preach, I kind of look the other way because that was those spikes. He was on the front row and the spikes stick it right up there, you know. But you know what? That young man repented in, 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 of his lifestyle. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the haircut he had, but I'm just saying he came out of a sinful lifestyle. You don't get yourself cleaned up and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus first and then he'll clean you up. But the Lord dealt with me on that occasion and several others. And, and he came out of a sinful lifestyle. He gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He thoroughly he got saved. He got changed. And I had to learn that what God has cleansed, we must never look down upon. And later on, many years later, he contacted us and said something to the effect that he'd got rid of his spiked haircut and all that. And he was, he, he said, he, and it was one of the greatest compliments I ever got from anybody. He said, Pastor Terry, he said, I know I looked abysmal, but you loved me anyway. And he's still serving the Lord, last I knew. What God has cleansed, we must not call common. I'll close with this. You getting anything out of this today? We're closing with this. Three of the greatest lessons of all from Peter will close. First, the lesson of salvation. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but what do you say? I, who do you say that I am? And Peter teaches us the lesson of salvation. He answers and says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What lesson do we learn? We learn the lesson of salvation because it's not until we have the revelation because Jesus said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, but this has been revealed to you by my Father which is in heaven. I tell you what, the lesson of salvation is that when we as sinners, we, we, we get the revelation that Jesus is not just a prophet, he's not just a good man, he's not just a good teacher, but that he is the Son of God. He is God the Son, God manifest in the flesh, and we recognize that and we receive him as our Lord and our our Savior, and we declare you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In that moment of time, we're saved. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. And then we learn the lesson of love. Having denied Jesus three times, as we said earlier, and after the Lord was raised from the dead, he asked Peter three times, 
Remember, Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? One for each of his three denials. The Bible says when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And three more times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, one for each denial. But it's interesting in this lesson here, the first time Jesus says, do you love me more than these? And that's always grabbed my attention. What was Jesus talking about? Do you love me, Peter, more than these? Because you see, they they went out to catch fish. We just talked about that and they caught none. But when Jesus showed up, just like the first time when we opened the sermon, they'd fished all night, caught nothing. Then Jesus said, go cast the net over here. And they did, and they caught the fish. Well, three and a half years later, same thing. They went out fishing, nothing. Jesus showed up, told them where to go cast the net, and they brought back a big net, net, net full of fishes. How many remembers that? And, and, and they're up there on the seashore now with those fish and the other disciples, and, and the boat, no doubt, is there. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And I've studied into this over the years. It could mean one of three things. Listen carefully. He might have been asking, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Could have been asking him, Peter, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Or could mean this, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? And this boat. You could argue either one of them, but for this lesson I know this. It's real easy for us to love other people and things more than Jesus. And we must never make that mistake. It's good for us to love other people. It's good for us to, it, we, besides, we shouldn't love things. We ought to enjoy things, but not love things. How many of you know you ought to love your car? You ought to enjoy it, but you ought to love it, right? You, you understand what I'm saying? You ought, you ought, to, you ought, to, you ought, to, uh, you ought to love your wife. You ought to love your husband. You ought to love your children. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you love people. You understand what I'm saying. You enjoy your house. You enjoy your clothes. You enjoy your jewelry. You enjoy those things, but you don't love them. But I've learned in pastoring over the many years, and I've dealt with this in my own life, it's real easy to love other people and things more than Jesus. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with loving other people, but how many of you know we need to love Jesus more than we love anyone or anything else? I've watched over the many years. I, this was a great revelation for. Uh, it was a, not a good. It was a big revelation, not a good revelation, but it was a revelation I learned a long time ago. And it's sad to say, but it, it, early on in pastoring and whatnot, I, I've learned, and, and I trust this isn't true of you. But I've learned this: that most Christians love a whole lot of other things more than they love Jesus, including sports teams and whatnot. Nothing wrong with enjoying the sports teams. Like the Rams. Remember them? I watched that many years ago. And I watched Christians in this city love them more than they love Jesus. 
I got up under the power of God and I stood up there and I said, by the Holy Ghost, I said, remember a lamb died for you, not a ram. And I tell you what, I felt like Jesus when they were about to take him out to the cliff and throw him off. All the years come and go and the rams forsook the city of St. Louis, but Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm all for the blues. Go blues, let them win, but I love something and someone far more than I'll ever love that, and his name is Jesus. And don't you ever forget it. I'm for the Cardinals, Cardinal fans since I'm a kid, but they don't even come close to my love for Jesus. There's nothing that comes close to my love for him. I love my wife with all of my heart, but she takes a distant second place to my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And she'd say the same about me. Do you love these, Peter, more than me? We must love the Lord more than anything or anyone else. And then... There was a time where Jesus preached a message and people again were listening with their natural ears instead of with their spirits. And whenever you listen to spiritual truth with natural thinking, you'll get, you'll get, you won't understand it. You'll get and most likely get offended. That was the day that Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. He wasn't talking about literally biting into his flesh and drinking his blood. He was talking about total commitment. And the Bible says that many of his, in fact, all of his disciples were offended and they walked away from Jesus and he was down to 12. Think of that, Jesus having a crowd of 12. Multitudes, but now down to 12. It takes commitment and consecration and dedication to follow Jesus and continue with him to the end. Most people don't make it. The Bible says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And they all walked away from him. And Jesus turns and he looks at the 12 and he says... Do you also want to go away? I love this about Jesus. He didn't go try to talk somebody into something. He didn't get mamby-pamby. He didn't try to beg people. He, he knew what God sent him to do, and he was going to do it if he had to go all the way himself. Do you also want to go? And Peter teaches us maybe the greatest lesson that we've had here today. Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have, you and you alone have the words of eternal life. He teaches us the lesson not only of salvation, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He teaches us the lesson of love that we must love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. And he also teaches us the lesson of eternal commitment. Lord, to whom shall we go? Think about that. Who else are we going to turn to? Where else are we going to go? I don't have anybody that can beat Jesus. Do you? 
I studied world religions when I was in college. I've studied them all just about. And I've looked into them and I've studied them. And I tell you what, after an extensive study of all the religions of the world, there's only one that I'll serve and bow my knee to and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because see, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living Savior. And all of the leaders of those other religions are just men and they were born of a man and a woman and they've died. But Jesus was born of a virgin and he's the son of God and he's alive. Praise God forevermore. And I have nobody else to turn to but the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter teaches us this lesson of eternal commitment. Lord, where else shall we go? Nowhere else to go. You and you alone have the words of eternal life. We have nowhere else to go but to the Lord. Where could I go, the song says? Where could I go? Where could I go? but to the Lord. The ultimate lesson from Peter, listen to this. The ultimate lesson from Peter is this. If God can use Peter, he can use you and me. Stand with me if you would and bow your heads. Hallelujah. Did you take anything away from this today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an anointing here today, a little bit different. 